Greetings again to God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph. We're going to continue again with the subject of the Sabbath, and hopefully we shall finish it in this study. Uh, we are now speaking about prayer. Remember last uh, time I spoke about uh, uh, the Sabbath and the preparation for it. We began uh, the section of the preparation. Uh, the last thing I believe I spoke about was clothing. And we are talking now about prayer. The prayer that we are to offer before God on the Sabbath day is compared to incense, the sweet smell and savor. It's a part of the preparation for the arts of love, you see. When we come before God, we have to express our emotions, our feelings, our thoughts. And yes, at times there might be uh, sad feelings and because of tragedies in our lives or things like that, but that should not be the, the major part of it, you know, sometimes those things happen. But in reality, when we come before God, when you come before a, a very, very uh, desirable, so to speak, romantic date, you know, your whole being and heart is in it, and you want to, you, you feel like singing, you feel like flying, you feel like you're in the air. And in essence, when we come before God, when we pray to God, we shall be full of joy. You see, if we haven't prepared our minds, if we haven't prepared our senses, if we haven't done a lot of preparation in terms of many of the elements that involve our keeping of the Sabbath, so to speak, to make it a day of delight, well, obviously, when we pray to God, it's, it's, it's going to be, well, no, I, I really don't feel like it, but, you know, I've got to do it, I have to do it. Uh, well, this is not the attitude that God wants to see in us when we come before Him. When the angels come before Him, it's with a spirit of adoration, of exaltation, of rejoicing. They cannot contend themselves. And we must learn to be that way too. And without a lot of preparation in our minds, in our hearts, in our bodies, in the environment around us, we're not going to feel that way. And that's why you see the bride and the bridegroom, and, and uh, for that matter, many other occasions, in special occasions like that, because they've been preparing and anticipating, and there was a build-up there. When they come to that point, you can look at the faces. They're glowing. Their eyes are bright. They're shining. There's a very special feeling in the air, a very special atmosphere. And that's, in essence, when we come before God to pray to God. Without preparation, we just get on our knees and do it because we have to do it. Well, our heart is not going to be in it. Our minds would not be in it. All the senses are not going to be involved in it, and so it's very important in the prayers. And that's why when God told Israel to bring incense before him, he says that he wants him to, to beat those incense into very, very fine, you see? Because when you take incense, when you take plants, and then you dry them up, and then you, you beat them to small pieces, you, you cause the, the aroma to spread and to emanate the whole atmosphere, so to speak, you see? And so the prayers must be in that manner also. It's not sort of general prayer, you know. Well, I uh, pray for everybody. Uh, God, please uh, have mercy on humanity or heal uh, the brethren and things like that, you see. Or even speaking about our own, uh, our own uh, personal needs. You see, when we come before God, we pronounce everything in detail. You see, we're very much involved in everything. It's not a general relationship. It is, it is an intimate relationship where every tiny little detail matters. And it's very important. And so, as we pray to God, we have to bear those things in mind. And you see, the Sabbath day helps us learn all these things. Because on the Sabbath day, God demanded all these ingredients to be present. And that's why it's important for us to read the book of the law, the book of the priesthood, the book of, of Leviticus. Because those things were given by God in a very detailed, meticulous manner. And it's not something to be bored with. And a lot of people are because they have no knowledge nor understanding. They are really very ignorant and illiterate biblically. 
and that's the reason why they don't get much out of it. And so they get both. But it's important to learn those things in detail. And then you begin to have a tremendous appreciation for it. And so when we come before God, that's in essence what we do too. And so in the tabernacle or in the temple, all these ingredients were present. And they were ordained, as I said, in detail by God. And that's the reason why you spend so much time through Exodus and through Leviticus. And then you find it in Numbers and then repeated in many ways in Deuteronomy, and then throughout the Psalms and writings, and then you find it also in many details in uh, the so-called New Testament uh, writings, you see, which is just a continuation of the revelation of God. God didn't make any divisions there, new, old, and all that. Uh, Men had done that. This is a continuous revelation of the oracles of God, of the teachings of God. And so, all those things are very important, and they are to be present in the temple, in the congregation, in the place of worship, in the home. You see, wherever we are, wherever we are before God, uh, at least there should be a little bit of it also, even during the week. But in specific on the Sabbath day, and specific when we come before God. Now, when people go to a fancy restaurant, you know, they go to a fancy restaurant because they like the setting, they like the mood, they like the, the atmosphere, they like the candlelight, they like the music that is there, they like the tablecloth. You see, everything's special. Why? Because they had a very special date. Or they have a very special uh, meal they're going to have with a loved one. Or maybe they're going to propose. Or maybe they're going to uh, rededicate themselves to each other. Uh, whatever it may be. You see, that's the reason why people go to fancy restaurants. And so God wants us to have that kind of a, a feeling when we come before him. When we prepare on Friday for the Sabbath. To have that, that kind of an atmosphere to recreate that. Because we're going to have a magnificent, beautiful, intimate relationship with God and that's why God though he created a glorious beautiful earth and he said it was very good remember that was not the end of it then he took man that he created and with his own hands he planted the garden of Eden that was even more so to speak very good than all the rest of the creation you see because that was for an intimate relationship with his creation that is a spiritual creation that he was going to recreate himself through. You see? And so the Sabbath is very much related to that. And it's important to remember those things. In the clothing of the high priest, as I mentioned before that, which is representative of the bride in the clothing of the priests, go through the book of Leviticus or the book of Exodus, especially when he gave the instructions about the tabernacle, and read about all the ingredients that God in detail, Moses couldn't choose, well, I don't like that color, or I don't like this, or I don't like that. God gave him in detail everything that he wanted, you see? And it's very important to understand the reason for it. It's with that in mind that we have to study, because that book of Leviticus or that book of Exodus describing those things, they're basically describing the arts of love, what goes on into the arts of love. And so God demanded all those ingredients to be there. Food, spices, candles, special aroma that even forbade anybody else from ever having but only the high priest because he is to symbolize the bride, an intimate relationship between God and man and that marriage that is coming first in Sinai, the physical one, and then the spiritual one. And so all those things are elements of the arts of love. And those are to be duplicated by the people of God in their own homes, in their own intimate relationships. 
And for that reason, the people of God, the servants of God, who have all these oracles and all this knowledge and understanding, and are doing it, must be the greatest lovers of this world. Not the ones that we see on TV or movies or whatever songs are composed about them. Uh, those people have no, have no knowledge, no understanding of what he, it is really to be a great lover. But from the point of view of God, you see, and all the ingredients that go into it, that are selfless, where there is no constant quarrels, they call it lovers' quarrels. Lovers don't quarrel, you see. But those who are selfish and seek their own, they quarrel, they seek their own. You see, that's carnality. Because God, that is Jesus Christ and the Father, they don't quarrel, they love each other. There is no quarrel there. The bride is not going to have lovers' quarrels in the future. You see, all those things we must leave behind. And so as we are all very busy in preparing all these ingredients of the art of love, there is no place for quarreling there, or bad feelings, or bad emotions, or negative attitudes, you see? Because those are not ingredients of the art of love, and they must be put out, you see? That's why we have six days to vent in all those kind of feelings, but not on the Sabbath. That's the time to come, and God demands. We must come and rejoice before him. And so those things are very important. Men like David understood it, you see? Jesus Christ, the servant of God, the prophets, the apostles... You see, all those who totally gave themselves to God, they were the greatest lovers the world has ever known. Only the world did not recognize them, just like the nations, as it says, and the kings of this earth did not recognize the Prince of Peace when he came. You see? But we must. And then we have the fourth element, baptism. What is baptism all about? You know, some people think that baptism was introduced 2,000 years ago. No, no, it's an ancient custom. It's a ritual. You see? It's a ritual for cleansing the body, you see? Cleansing the body from dirt, not only physical one, but for the spirit to feel good, you see? You feel very good when you take a shower. So you see the spirit involved in it. It's a spiritual act with physical elements. The high priest, you see, was supposed to clean his house, to perfume, that is, clean his body. Perfume his body, wash his body before he appeared before God, and put on special clothing. That was important. He was representing the bride. You see? So that was an ancient thing. And in Sinai, or before, before that, and after that, when God gave details about the priesthood, you see all those elements of baptism. And it was an ancient custom. People understood it from the Garden of Eden to the degree that that knowledge was being passed on. And so baptism is very important. You see, before Sinai, God told Moses, you go tell Israel, wash your, your garments, cleanse your body, wash yourself. Don't come before me stinking. I don't want to smell your sweat. You see? Because the art of love demand these ingredients, pleasing the senses. And when you offend the senses, spiritually and physically, you know how it feels? It's a stench in your nostril, and that destroys the relationship. And when we come before God on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath day, we must not stink. You see? We must do everything we can to smell good, to look good, to appear good, to be attractive with beautiful attire, the best that we can have. You see, all those things tell God what kind of a relationship he's going to have with us. And God is not interested in having a relationship with a dirty woman. And so we must remember those details. They're very important. And before Christ came, what is it that John the Baptist was doing? He was preparing the bride, so to speak, before the coming of the Lord. And he was baptizing them. This is what is called the baptism of John. You see, when Moses was commanded by God to, to baptize Israel and prepare them before the marriage, that was the baptism of Moses. You see, as later on 
Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, that the nations were ignorant of many of those elements, many of those oracles that the people of Israel did understand, where it says, our fathers were baptized unto Moses. You see, that was the baptism of Moses, preparing them for a physical relationship, which was a very demanding relationship when you read all the ingredients that go into it, and how much more the spiritual one. So we cannot take these things for granted, or lightly, very important. We must never come before God thinking, or smelling, physically, or spiritually. It's very important. And before the receiving of the Holy Spirit, you see, that's in essence what, what uh, John was, was doing. Before receiving of the presence of God, that which comes from God, before receiving God, so to speak, his mind, his emotions, his feelings in us, his presence in us, we must baptize ourselves, we must cleanse ourselves. And so it's very important. And before we, we become divine spirit beings, also, we're told that we must be thoroughly baptized by water, by word, and by fire. You see, God wants to remove every spot, every blemish, every ounce, so to speak, of sweat and stench from our bodies, physically and spiritually speaking. So we can be totally beautiful, glorious bride, without spot, without blemishes, not one that stinks. So it's very important, because we must never offend the senses, the spiritual senses, the physical senses. Only perverted people love stinking environment, you see? We all understand. That's why people spend an awful lot of money on perfume and cosmetics and all kind of things like that. Or beautifying their gardens, or beautifying their homes, or beautiful homes, or beautiful restaurants, and all those things. Because man, by nature, having the Spirit of God in him, even when, before he receives the begetting Spirit of God, but just the Spirit that God put in him, the Spirit in man, which is of God, already knows. He already knows that senses that are being offended are not pleasing. And that's why we, we, we cannot stand, you know, bad smells and odors and things like that. And we do an awful lot of things to get rid of it. We spend a lot of money for that. And so those are very important things. There are ingredients of love, ingredients of marriage, ingredients of the Sabbath. And you see, it takes a lot of preparation to be able to get to that point. And so that's why when we keep the Sabbath, when we prepare for the Sabbath, we must think about all these elements. We must make it conducive for a relationship between men and God, between the bride and the bridegroom. That is, at least for us, who are only really a uh, small part of the bride. We're not the bride, we're just a very small part of it. The bride is being built, so to speak, put together uh, for thousands of years, and yet for another thousand years to come. And so we must prepare all the senses. We must please the senses of God in our own senses, in clothing, in body odors, in food, in attire, in appearance. And that's basically what the bride is supposed to do. Prepare herself. Make herself ready. God is not going to do it for us. We have to do it. You see? And as we come before him on the Sabbath, that is a rehearsal. Every Sabbath to do it. And so, we're talking baptizing here. Number five. Foods for the Sabbath. Special bread. Special meals. Special delicacies. Special cakes, so to speak. Special ingredients that you eat on the Sabbath. I remember when I was growing up in Israel... We cooked all kind of things, and basically in the religious Jewish family, they do it, and they've been doing it for centuries. For them, it comes natural. For the Sabbath, they specially prepare certain foods, 
which they don't eat any other day of the Sabbath. And you see what happens? When you do all those specific things for the Sabbath, your mind, your body, you see, your attitudes, your feelings, everything is pointing in that direction. And then you know, just by smelling something from a distance, and even in your memory sometimes, you know, you can remember a special smell. Many years later, you can smell the Sabbath even 30 years later down the road because you remember what kind of food you had on the Sabbath when you were growing up in a, in a, in a home where you were being raised on that set of uh, understanding and preparation and all those ingredients were present there. And so that is very important. Food that we prepare for the Sabbath, del delicious things. Because in all those things we are honoring God, we are glorifying God, we are beautifying the relationship, and in the process we are glorifying and beautifying our, our own human relationships between husband and between their wives and the family, and if we have guests, and if we have relatives, and so forth. You see, all those things are very important, and that's why God demanded that when they come before him to the tabernacle and to the temple to bring special food, you see, fine meal, fine flour, honey, spices, incense, they're all related to the Sabbath, to the marriage, to the relationship. So put it all together. Number six, we're talking about music. And I can say an awful lot of things about music, and you can do likewise. You know what kind of music will drive you nuts? You know what kind of music will turn you off? You know what kind of music is not what you want to hear, that do not please your senses or sounds, you see? But when we come before God, God demands that we present before Him music that is a melody, you see? And that's why He says that when you come before me, you sing to me melodies, songs, spiritual songs, you see? Not unspiritual songs, not profane songs, you see? And so music is extremely important, especially being the highest form of human expression of the Spirit, you see? And so music is very heavily involved in the Sabbath. And it's not just that you sing three songs, four songs, and that's the end of the, of, the, of the service, you see? And then let's speak our own words. Oh, no, it doesn't work like that. When they came before God in the tabernacle, in the temple, in the synagogue to this very day, there is an awful lot of singing, because it is through singing. And that's, in essence, what the songs are all about. So many songs. And many others were not even recorded, but they were being sung also. And the priests and the Levites, and they were in the, in the temple, 2,000, I believe, 2,000 Levites with instruments of music of men and women that sung to God, you see? And then you hear about the choir of the angels that sing to God. Music is extremely important because that unites, that binds, those are extremely important elements of the arts of love, and they must be present in the Sabbath, especially on the Sabbath, and for that matter, any other day, but especially on the Sabbath. And so, we have now the seventh element of preparation, that is the preparation of the mind. Meditation. We put everything away. We forget about what we have done the past six days. All the worries, work, anything that is not related to the relationship, you see, anything that is not related to the coming romantic date with God, anything that is not related to the Sabbath, to the fellowship, to the intimacy between men and God, and the future that is ahead of us, should be put aside. That's why God says, look, I gave you six days, you do your own thing on those six days. But on my holy day, remember, it's not your day, it's my holy day, you do things with me. You see? 
You do our things, not your things. Put away all the other things that are not related to the Sabbath. And so for a period of 24 hours, not only two hours, but for the whole period from the beginning until the end, you see, we should have our mind on God, on the future. And on God means on his law, on his words, on the plans he has for humanity, on the glory of his creation, on the beauty, because all those things describe him. And as we look at all these things, we can honor him, glorify him, praise him. So it doesn't mean that you sit in a room and you pray, 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 or study, study, study. No, that's not what it means. Anybody knows you don't have much joy doing that. You see, there is a joy to a certain limit, and after that you go numb. Oh no, there are many things involved. Singing, dancing, laughter, eating, rejoicing. You see, singing melodies, fellowshipping in the spirit, looking at the future that is of the creation, looking at roses, looking at plants, looking at the sky and the stars and the moon. As David would say, when I look up to the heaven and I see your stars and I see the glory of your creation, you see, that's the attitude that we should have. He was flabbergasted when he saw all those things. He was so amazed at the awesomeness of the glory of God. And so all these ingredients are a part of it. And so we meditate on all these things. We meditate on all these things and prepare our minds. And so we become more intense in our passions and our desires to seek the face of God. And that's why he says, seek my face early. You see? Seek. Come to the point where you hunger and you thirst. For his presence, for his righteousness, for his truth, for a relationship with him. And it's only when we develop that we'll come to the point where it's no longer praying with our eyes closed or even looking up to heaven and not seeing anybody. You see, the people who are going to put their whole being and heart are going to see him face to face and are going to enter, so to speak, integrate with him, are going to become one with him and are going to see him as he is. You see? So, the Sabbath is the time when all those things are happening, and that's what the meditation also should be all about. And the bridegroom and the bride are headed in that direction, so the meditation should be around uh, the same thoughts. And so it's very important. And in Israel, if you live in, in the state of Israel, I lived there for many years, uh, the religious community that had uh, quite a bit of power politically, you know, sometimes they, they, they do things they have no business doing, but at least they force the nation to do some good things. A lot of people don't agree with that. That's because they have a different relationship, you know, with God. But there they decided that on Friday, being the preparation day, I mean, nowadays life is different, modern life is different, uh, the workforce is different and all that, so it's a different reality. But at least I said on, this, on Friday... The, the public sector, at least, must quit working at 12 and then go home and prepare for the Sabbath. You see? And even those who are not religious will have still a measure of appreciation for the Sabbath. They go and prepare for the Sabbath because now the friends come, the relatives come, grandparents come, grandchildren come, you see? And so they go prepare for the Sabbath likewise. But especially the religious community that understands the purpose of the Sabbath. At 12, if they are lucky working for the public sector, they go home. If they work for the private community... Uh, that is a, a business community, then at 2 o'clock they go home. And I remember I used to work for a private company, so at 2 o'clock I went home. And see, and the purpose for it was, from the point of view of those who, who uh, enacted that law, is let people go home and prepare for the Sabbath, you see. 
because they understood that others what others did not, that the Sabbath was instrumental in keeping a relationship between God and man, as imperfect as it was, with all the problems that they had and the shortcomings. They understood that. And so they did an awful lot of good things in that direction. And so it is with the future that is ahead of us, you see, because we cannot stumble into the Sabbath or rush into it on our last breath. And so it is with the millennium, with the Sabbath to come, with the marriage to come. You see, we must be fully prepared. We cannot just be having cramming sessions, you know, the last moment, getting ready for uh, the future. It doesn't work like that. You see, Christ is preparing the bride. He's preparing his future kingdom, so to speak. He's preparing for the Sabbath. Just like for six days he was preparing for the Sabbath, and especially on the sixth day, when he created man and created uh, certain uh, things uh, that were necessary for that relationship. And then he planted the Garden of Eden also on Friday, so to speak. Preparing for the Sabbath, as so much men do, preparing for the future. And so the bride must make herself ready. And that's why uh, you have the Sabbath preparation, the day of preparation, that is on Friday. And in essence, you have to think about it when you go through all those preparations, and then you enter into the Sabbath. This is a weekly dress rehearsal of entering into the ultimate Sabbath. You see? And that's very important to remember. Because it tells God an awful lot about our state of mind or the state of mind of the bride. You see? And we cannot hide those things and we cannot mock God. God knows all the things. He knows what our heart is all about. Because He sees us. He sees everything that we do. He sees deep into our heart. He sees our actions. And that's very important for us to remember. And so if we are not ready today... You see, you have to ask yourself this question. If we are not ready today, what makes us think or feel that tomorrow we will be ready? You see? Oh, no. The people that are in the process of doing this preparation, not only for the Sabbath, because now we're talking specifically about the Sabbath, but on an everyday basis, spiritually speaking, physically speaking. If people are not doing all these things on a daily basis, you see, they're not going to be prepared when the time comes. And since we never know when that time comes exactly, we must every day be prepared. And the people who are busy doing it, just like the people that said when, when you told them, well, uh, you, you visited me, you, you fed me, you gave me water and all that, uh, you can read Matthew 25, you enter into the kingdom of your father. And they would say to him, Lord, when did we do those things? We can't even remember doing those things. And the reason why they said that, because by nature... You see, but the spiritual nature, not human nature, but by nature they were doing all those things that they were not even thinking about it. It was so natural for them that when they saw a hungry man to feed him, when they saw a sick person to have compassion and mercy for him and, and, and either visit or do whatever they could do, you see. And that's the state of mind that he was talking about. People who are in the process of doing it, they're not even aware that they're doing it, they're just doing it. It's so natural, you see. And in essence, for the Jew that has been keeping the Sabbath as an imperfectly is. Uh, they did, at least by the mere fact that every week for the past many, many centuries they've been doing it, it is so natural to them, they're not even thinking. Friday comes, it's a day of preparation, and they do all those things by nature. We must come to that state of mind too, you see? And that's in essence what, what, what Christ was telling his disciples, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, not exceeds the unrighteousness, but the righteousness. He recognized all the righteousness that was there, and he condemned the unrighteousness. You see? And we must exceed that righteousness. And so we have an opportunity having spiritual knowledge and understanding far beyond the natural Israelite, the natural uh, circumcision 
to do that and to exceed. You see? So if we not, do not even begin to do it, if it's not so not, doesn't become so natural for us in preparation for the Sabbath and keeping it and doing it the right way, how are we going to exceed that righteousness? So it's important to be ready every day. And we are ready every day. Not that we are perfect. Not that we have reached, you know, the epitome of what we could be. But we're in the process doing it. As Christ said, blessed be the servant whom when his master comes shall see him doing it on a daily basis without even thinking about it. Becomes a, it's a part of your mind and heart, you see. So it's important to realize that. And that's in essence what Paul is say, saying to the Hebrews. He's speaking to the Hebrews. And he's saying in chapter 3 of the book of Hebrews, in verses 7 and 12, that the Holy Spirit, remember we spoke about the Holy Spirit uh, a few subjects ago. You see, he's speaking about God himself. He says, the Holy Spirit says, and speaking about Jesus Christ, that you should not harden your heart when I speak to you. You see, and Paul is calling him as he did many times. He's calling God the Holy Spirit, because God is holy and God is spirit. A lot of people having no background, no context, no understanding, don't really understand that. And so, so the Holy Spirit said, that is, God said, when I'm telling you about the Sabbath and how to prepare for it, spiritually and physically, and what it is that is ahead of us, and what's the end result of all, all this, do not harden your heart, you see, as in the day of provocation, as others have done. And because of that, they did not enter into the Sabbath. That was the land of Israel. And likewise for us. If we do not prepare for the Sabbath, if we are not doing all those things that God commanded and making it a day of delight, we too are not going to enter into that race. And God cannot be mocked. He watches us. Everything that we do in life, and especially on Friday, in preparation for the Sabbath, and on the Sabbath day, tells him whether we are ready or not. Another element is the candle lighting. What is candle lighting? You see, in the tabernacle, the temple, God commanded that there would be lights there. Candles, you see. There, there is a called the candelabra. And many lights. And the reason for it goes, as he said later on in, in the flesh, I am the light. You see, God is the light. And that's what the first statement in Genesis, let there be light. You see? Because up to now there was chaos and confusion, confusion that is a product of the mind of Satan and his demons. They brought all this darkness on this earth. But when God enters into the picture, light enters into the picture. And so he said, let there be light. And so as we enter into the Sabbath, light must be present there. And that's why in the Jewish home, before the, even the, the Sabbath begins, they light the candles. Because now they're going to separate the holy from the profane. You see, darkness is out of the window, so to speak. Light is here. And God dwells in light, not in darkness. It doesn't come to a home where there is darkness there. And so it is in the relationship between the bride and between Jesus Christ. There must be light there. And so uh, light is there present in terms of candles. And Christ is the light, and therefore we should desire to walk in that light. And those physical things help us to be aware of all these matters. And it's very important to remember that. It is not just something that, well, you go to services, two hours, and then you go home, that's the end of the story. It doesn't work like, work like that. God didn't say, remember the two hours on the Sabbath day. It says, God, remember the Sabbath. And that's a whole day. 24-hour period, you see. And that's his holy day and his sanctified day. And those who keep it, as he said, even the strangers or the eunuch, will have a name and a place in his kingdom. And the others will be cast out. You see? Because a, a, a person or people or a nation that is not willing to have a relationship with him, why should he have them around? That's in essence what he's saying. 
And so it's important to remember the purpose of life. Now on Friday evening, there is a service in the synagogue. The Jews go to, to the synagogue on Friday evening. And they, they pray to God and they sing to God and there is light there and there is fellowship. And all those things are part of the preparation for the Sabbath. The next, then they go home after that. They go home and they have a home service. Now the father, who represents the king or the priest, is the one that officiating in that service. You see? And then there is a family all around him, and they all sing. They sing the Song of Songs. I remember when I was a kid going home, uh, before we even sat, we stood there around the table full of goodies and sweet-smelling things and lights, and there was a lot of joy, and there was light in the house, and we sang the Song of Songs because of what it means. You see, and I'm not going to go into that now. But it was important because that is relevant to the relationship between the bride and between God. And so the Song of Songs will be sung there. And then we sung the Song of the Virtuous Woman, Proverbs 31, to honor the mother, and also again to speak about the relationship between the wife and God. The one that God wants to be like the virtuous woman, the bride, you see? Not a lazy one, but one that is constantly busy, preparing the house, making it attractive and glorious and beautiful, and removing all spots and blemishes. That's very important, and these are two related. Then we have the blessing of the wine. And later on, Christ used the blessing of the one that was always there in the Jewish house to represent a spiritual element there, uh, his own blood that is shed for humanity. But, you know, this was uh, blood of the New Testament, so to speak, as they called it later on. And then we have the, the food, we have the meal, we have singing, and we have uh, conversation, lively one. The Sabbath is a tremendous day of delight. It binds the family, it binds the marriage you see, everybody is attracted around it. And people that don't do it don't even know what they're missing. You see? Just like you've never heard beautiful music, you don't even know what you're missing, and therefore it doesn't mean anything to you. But once you've been introduced to it, and you've experienced it, is I had that opportunity uh, growing up in a, in a religious home, an orthodox home, where it was not strict, dark, uh, don't do, or can't, or uh, do's and don'ts and all that stuff, but joy and laughter and happiness and all that, it was a magnificent experience that it is something that will never depart from my life. And so, on a personal basis, I can also relate those experiences to others. And that helps the children, that helps uh, the children from a very young age to prepare for the physical marriage, to prepare for relationships, to prepare for the art of being one with others, not just being selfish and thinking about yourself, and ultimately to prepare for your relationship with God. And those things are very important. The Sabbath tells you an awful lot of, about those matters. Now, here we have a three-dimension. It's like a three-dimensional relationship that the Sabbath prepares us for. The domestic. So the domestic that involves the food, the house, the cleaning, the table, uh, all, all the ingredients that, that make a pleasant environment. That's the domestic. Then you have the social because you are all busy doing those things together. The whole family is involved, and you are rejoicing, and you are communicating, and you are helping. You know, you have a right attitude. You have a right mood. You're not in a grouchy mood, you see, because you are headed toward a magnificent relationship. Just like people preparing you know, for marriage, and for a wedding, and all that. Everybody's happy. Yes, they work hard, but it's a labor of love, and everybody rejoices. And so it prepares you for that relationship, the domestic, the social, and then ultimately the marital. You see, the intimacy, all the ingredients are there to prepare you for all these things. And so, that leads to the ultimate spiritual relationship with God. Or in the future, again, as Christ said on the Passover night, that I'm not going to drink of this wine or eat this bread until the kingdom 
where I'm going to be there standing and you're going to sit around the table I'm going to serve you. You see, all those elements are there, the domestic elements, the social elements, the marital elements, spiritually speaking, and also physically. I don't know what kind of food we're going to eat in the future, but he spoke about the wine and about the food in the future. Also, there's nothing wrong with God eating food. After all, he came to Abraham and had lunch with him. So I'm sure he you know he likes to eat too. Many things we still don't re- don't know about God, and uh, we're going to find out very pleasantly in the future. Now, the Sabbath evening is over. Everybody's happy. They all go to bed, happy with a smile on their face. Wonderful. Then comes the Sabbath morning, and again you go through a, pre- a repetition of that. Uh, we go to the synagogue. Uh, uh, we can go to a place of worship, whatever it may be for us. And in, before that, we had goodies. I remember my, my dad used to prepare a plate with chocolate and candies and, and cookies and all that. And you see, that, that uh, developed a desire for me uh, for the Sabbath, because I remembered it in terms of good things. You see, as David would say, taste and see how good the Lord is. And if you do not inject being human beings and flesh and blood physical elements into it, how would children know that the Sabbath is a good thing to have? How would they desire the Sabbath? How would they desire the future of the Sabbath? The purpose of it. So it's important to teach the love of the Sabbath through all these physical ingredients that are very pleasing to the sight, to the senses, you see, to prepare for the spiritual marriage, to evoke the desire for the Sabbath to come. And that's why, with all these things in mind, then we can say, Thy kingdom come. You see, if you rejoice so much on it on the Sabbath, how much more in the future? Especially when you see all the misery all around us. You see, it has to become a reality in us, and it's not an ethereal thing, you know. We sit down and say, oh, thou, our Heavenly Father, thy kingdom come, woe is me, things are bad, uh, I wish you would come and deliver me. Uh, God doesn't want it that way, he doesn't want this kind of an attitude. So, the Sabbath teaches us an awful lot of these ingredients, and it's very important. And then we eat, and we are full, and we bless God, as we read in Deuteronomy chapter 10, and that is chapter 8 and verses 10 and 12, where God tells Israel that, when you come before God, you give God thanks, you see? But when you are full, that's when you can really give God thanks. As David would say, bless the Lord, all my soul, with all that is within you, you see? When you are full, you just ate real good things, and you're happy and content. You had good things to drink and good things to eat. Then God says, when you are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for all the land that he had given you and all the blessings and everything else. And how much more we can exceed that righteousness of the, of the scribes and Pharisees, so to speak, in giving things for spiritual matters that we have been given. And so, we see many times also Jesus Christ, before eating, we read that he would raise a couple of loaves of bread, which is a custom in the Jewish home that has its inception from the temple, where the, the showbread was there. And he would raise up the bread, as the Jew still does to this very day, the religious Jew, uh, lift up the bread toward heaven and give God thanks for it. But you see, after the meal comes the real long blessing, and that comes with songs and praises and so forth. After that, we have the family talk. Because see, you are happy, you are content, so you talk. That's natural, and a relationship is being built. And then after that, you have the Sabbath journey, because you know, you're full and you want to take a little walk. When you take the Sabbath journey, as you read many times about it in the New Testament, the Sabbath journey, what was the purpose of it? People went to the creation now to glorify God in the, in the open. They looked at the trees, they, they felt the breeze on their bodies, they saw the sky, and they rejoiced, and that was the purpose of it, to continue the process of courtship with God, you see? And that was important. And so that's a part of the Sabbath. You see, it's an ongoing process of so-called of the 24 hours with the exception of the time that you are asleep. 
and hopefully there you know you have sweet dreams and not uh, nightmares. And so you have that. And then after that, after the, the, the Sabbath journey, which, by the way, I've experienced all these things. That's why I can give you this information. Uh, we have done it. And, uh, and some people are so ignorant. They think, well, the Jew made a God out of the Sabbath, do's and don'ts, and that's all the thing. That's total blindness and ignorance on the, part, on the part of people who really know nothing about the community that preserved much knowledge and understanding with all of their shortcomings. And so it's good to humble ourselves and learn from those that at least had some kind uh, knowledge and understanding and, and listen to what Paul says. What advantage does the Jew have much in every way? You see, we don't have to learn the bad things, but we can learn all of the good things, and for that matter, from anybody on the face of the earth. And so, after that, after the journey, we had the Bible study, we had instructions, you see? Instructions are instructions in what? Instructions in marriage, instructions in relationship, instructions in the future, you see? And then at the end of that, we had the evening prayer. And after the evening prayer, you would think, well, now by now I'm sick and tired of all this happiness and joy. Well, obviously, you don't think that way. No, at the end of the Sabbath, what the Jew has is a time that is called Sabbath delight. A big meal where there is dancing and there is laughter and there is rejoicing. The biggest party. And let's just think about it. What is it that you have after the, the millennium, which is symbolized by the Feast of Tabernacles, seven days, you see, for the seventh day? You have the last great day, which is the biggest celebration. And so, in essence, borrowing from that concept, that's what you have here. At the end of the Sabbath, you have a big celebration. Because you simply do not want to part with your Creator, with the bridegroom. The bride having so much fun, she doesn't want to let go. And that's, in essence, what is happening here. And so, that's basically what they do. And the Jews have been doing it for generations. It's a natural process for them. For us, it's a process uh, where we have to learn. And there is a time to begin uh, by doing a few little things and then you do more and more and more. And then after that it becomes so natural that you wonder how come you've never done it all your life. Well anyway, for the, for the Sabbath to be a day of delight, you must do all these things. We must do all these things or else we're very limited. And so we must make it happen. It doesn't happen by itself. People say, well, I want to get married. What do you mean you want to get married? Marriage is not something you get. Marriage is something you give. And you cannot give marriage unless you have been prepared all of your life for marriage, for relationship, for responsibility, you see, for loyalty, for faithfulness, you see. You don't go and get marriage. You go and give in marriage. And giving is not always easy. It takes a lot of preparation and hard work and labor of love. And we do it on a three-dimension basis, you see. Uh, that is the three-dimension of worship, as I call it. Uh, we do it in a group setting, that is when we go be, with the congregation and before God we appear before him and do all those things. Then we do it within the family as we go home, and then we do it on an individual basis. There we have the ultimate relationship with God. Now in conclusion, what is it that we can do, some may ask, well we, are not, uh, we have not been raised that way, what can we do? What can we do? We who are the spiritual body of Christ, of God and of Christ. Well, we go to the congregation also on the Sabbath, just like uh, those who have done it all, all uh, the centuries. We go to the congregation. We go before God, you see, in a congregation setting. That is, we assemble ourselves. We too can prepare our bodies. We can go through all these uh, ingredients of preparation, you see. We can prepare to, to come before God and receive all the instructions. Prepare our body, prepare our mind, prepare clothing, prepare all those things. Get the whole family involved. So, oh no... Oh no, we are going to appear before God. You see, it's a real thing. It's not an ethereal thing. We don't play games. 
that we go before God. It's a real thing, and it would not be real unless you go through all this preparation, you see? Otherwise, you go, you come, that's the end of it. It doesn't mean anything. That's dead works. It doesn't mean anything. So we can do all these things too. Preparation of the body, of the mind, of the house, of food, of clothing, all these ingredients. And then within the family, we prepare the home. Now, there is a lot of teachings of the art of love as we go through it. Because that's basically what it is. And we are all a family. We must be all a family. We must develop relationships not also only with our own native children. Many of us don't have that, you see. So we must extend it among the brethren, so to speak. We're all a family. And so we must invite others likewise where we can, those who can. And ex express hospitality because we're all going to be one bride, not separate individuals, not separate families in the future, but all one bride. So we must begin to experience that today and help wherever we can and lead others into the marriage and show them the ingredients of marriage and help others to be partakers of that. And that's what Paul is saying to each other, that you come together, you know, on different occasions, uh, the congregation and then in, in the house, in the home, so to speak, and you sing songs together and you, and you have hymns and you, sing, and you have... You make melody in your heart, and you admonish one another, and you provoke one another to good works, and you encourage and uplift and strengthen. And that's how the bride become one. And that's how Christ can say, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Not because you do a great work. No, because you have love for one another. You see? Some people put all the efforts into doing great work and totally forget about the love of one another. And what difference does it make if they do a great work if there is no love there? You know, as Paul said, I can speak in tongues, I can do all these things, but if I have love, I do not have love in my heart. So the brethren, if I don't really uh, love them and, and show that intimacy of relationship, uh, what good is it all about? It doesn't mean anything. So it's important to remember those things. And that's what Christ finally will tell us. Well, you know, I was hungry and you fed me. I was lonely on the Sabbath and you took me in and so forth. And you're the one that is really fit to be in the kingdom. As Psalm 133 tells us in verse 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren, for the whole bride, for the members of the body of Christ to be together. And so, Sabbath is a wonderful time to do it. If for six days we cannot be busy, that's okay. And so, after that, we have the individual relationship with our God, our Maker, our Creator, the soon coming bridegroom. You see? So we can know God, so God can know us. It's not an ethereal concept. You see? It's important, and as we do all those things, that's how God knows us in everything that we do, and the attitude that is in us. And so it's important to remember all these things. And so at this point, I suggest that you all go back to Isaiah 58, verses 13 until the end, and read again about the story of the Sabbath, and you'll have a much better understanding of it. This is again Mordecai Joseph saying, Greetings to all of God's people, until next time. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide Website at address www. BibleStudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions? The Bible has answers.